Hello everybody, Joel Junker here with another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. Today is July 1st, uh, 2020, and this podcast will probably publish sometime in the August or September 2020. The reason I, I make note of this date, it's been a difficult week here at Cameron Brooks where one of our team members' husband uh, suddenly passed away over the, the, the weekend, as well as uh, somebody that had done some sales training with us and trained some of our team members and um, we had been engaged with, uh, also suddenly passed away over the weekend uh, in, an, in an accident. And then yesterday I was surprised, just a wonderful surprise of doing a podcast with Cameron Brooks alumnus Kevin Byrne. Kevin made the transition in the year 2000, getting out on a medical board for multiple sclerosis or MS. And over 20 years, that, that disease has continued to attack his body, and he has since had to stop work, and he started a, a outreach or a foundation uh, called Never Stop, Never Quit. And in spite of this difficult week, this podcast or this time that I got a chance to spend with Kevin really just gave me a lot of encouragement and hope um, uh, just in life and also helped me remind me what's really important in life. Kevin's a father, uh, he's a professional, he's a veteran, and he is battling a disease that um, I think he will even admit, admit that someday will, he will probably um, die from. He's written about it. Uh, he's written several books. You can find them on Amazon. Uh, and uh, It's Kevin, B-Y-R-N-E, and you can find several of his books there. And you can also find him at his website, neverstopneverquit.org or .net. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did in, in speaking with Kevin and learning about his overcoming adversity and how life has changed for him and how he's, he's making the most of it to make a difference uh, in his family life and other people's lives as well. It was uplifting. It was encouraging. And uh, I also encourage you, if you so choose, at the end of this podcast, you listen to visit his website and consider making a donation. I hope you enjoy. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. I think it's been 20 years since, it has uh, been a while. You made, since you made the transition. Um, maybe before we jump in and talk about your transition and, and what you did in corporate America, let's tell the audience what you do now and what you're involved in and what your focus and mission in your life is. What I do now is, well, I guess, I guess you could say easily is I'm twice retired. I'm medically retired from the army. Uh, and I was 20 years ago due to my multiple sclerosis. And about three years ago, I took a medical retirement from my corporate America position and Instead of living the retired life, I, uh, I chose to be more more proactive. Uh, wanted to work on my 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 physical uh, my my physical issues and physical focus and development there, but also use my resources, my skills, my talents to give back to the communities that have helped me. So I formed a private foundation, Never Stop, Never Quit, and our mission is to support the efforts of larger organizations such as the National Multiple Sclerosis Society in their ongoing efforts to uh, overcome the debilitating effects of multiple sclerosis 
the continuing search for a cure as well as a treatment for people currently fighting the disease. So mo most of my focus now is work with my foundation as well as as well as my nonprofit efforts with the the MS Society itself. And I do that in various aspects. I do that one from an advocacy standpoint. Um, my story, uh, the the presentation of what I have done for myself, both physically, mentally, emotionally, in terms of the trials that I've gone through. Uh, I definitely don't want to say I've overcome them because that will never happen. It's it's an ongoing battle, but I have developed a very uh, a very strong synchronization of my challenges, my disabilities, as well as my strengths and assets. And it allows me to succeed in, 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 in life and daily activities. So I use my lesson as, a, as an advocacy platform for others in terms of generating the, the, the motivation and support needed to, to raise funds, to raise awareness, and also to provide that camaraderie and that treatment for other people fighting the disease. Very similar to the military background, the military comrade, uh, you know, that concept of of brothers in arms, sisters in arms, and and, and working for each other. Um, those two definitely go hand in hand. In the MS community, they go hand in hand to such a significant way that through the Department of Veterans Affairs, um, I am one of the one of the contacts that they will they will send people to. Uh, who are diagnosed with MS, who are part of the, the VA's MS Center of Excellence, the huge national network that they use to diagnose and treat patients with multiple sclerosis. And newer patients or patients that are having challenges, having issues and need someone to talk to, uh, they they can use me. They can, they can send them to me or they can ask me to reach out to them as well as several other, uh, several other people in my position. And we can we can support each other, share lessons learned, um, and, and assist as possible. So that's one of the the main efforts that I have. I also spend a lot of my time raising awareness and, and raising money through other efforts. Um, one of my efforts are um, in the books I've written. Uh, I have written. Uh, I've published six different books currently. Most of them have nothing to do with MS, nothing to do with multiple sclerosis, and they are they are pure fiction, um, covering several different genres. Um, and it's it's my way of having both that that emotional and, and intellectual stimulation for myself, as well as doing something to to provide something beyond just my experiences. Here's something new that I can do. Here's something that I can create and something as opposed to me telling my MS story over and over and over again, let me tell you different stories. And oh, by the way, it, it's something that entertains you. It, 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 it's great for me to, in terms of writing and producing and all that money that we, we have generated goes back to my foundation and then directly to the MS Society. So it's, it's definitely a, uh, 
definitely a busy schedule that I keep in my uh, my twice retired lifetime. Well, a lot to lot to dig into. I'm sure the listeners are curious um, about a lot of things that you just said there, Kevin. So sure. um, I think we're people are going to want to know more about the disease of MS. If you're not as familiar, I think we all know that there is a disease of MS, but what is it? How does it debilitate you? And, and what can we do to support you? And where can we find you? We'll want to get into that in just a minute. And then we want to hear about some of the books that you've written and some of your favorite ones and where we can find more. But before we jump into those, maybe, you know, before we got on the call, we were catching up a little bit, got out in 2020 um, from Korea, reached out to Karen Brooks, and it sounds like you got out on a medical board that you knew at that time that you had MS. Uh, did you know when you were getting out on the medical board that the MS would progress to the point where it is today, where you were retired and fighting uh, to create awareness and also fighting to find a uh, a cure, if you will, that you're working through. Did you know, have an idea that it would be kind of progressing to this level 20 years later? I would love to say yes, but the honest truth is my doctors told me that it would progress. Everything about the literature, about the, the history of the disease said it does progress. And the statistics back all that up but there's always a there's always a piece in your mind that that says maybe i will be the one that's different um and in some cases i was in some cases that resiliency has enabled me to stave off some of the some of the debilitating effects um maybe maybe on the physical aspect on the mental and emotional aspect but Inevitably, there's going to be the simple fact that this disease will continue to affect me and will continue to attack my body for the rest of my life. And how I deal with it, just as I've learned throughout my career in the military, throughout all my training and education, no matter what, when... Some, there is something out there, there is an, an enemy, there is a, an obstacle that will, to steal a phrase on the foundation, that will never stop and will never quit. That has to be the charge that I have. And developing new ways, new resources, new tools, new tricks, as well as reinforcing the, the ones that have been instilled in me uh, through mentors, through training, through experience. And relying on relying on the the tried and true aspects that will help uh, reinforce my my continued development and my continued rehabilitation. Tell us a little bit about your when you decided to get out of the military. Were you thinking that you were going to be making a career because the decision was really made for you that you had to get out? I was, as a lot of junior military officers probably have in their mind, I was in. Uh, at the time, there really wasn't much of a consideration of my my future 20 years from that point. I was in. I was a, a commander of an air cavalry troop, and I was going to do this for as long as they would let me do this. And I had no... No real considerations of trying to 
trying to rock the boat, trying to make that next huge big jump. I was really enjoying my, my impact and my effect at, uh, at the time when I was in command. When I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, as you said, yeah, the decision was pretty much made for me. Uh, there's not much you can do as someone suffering from multiple sclerosis when you're an Apache attack helicopter pilot. Just about everything you're trained to do is going to come to a halt. Um, when I worked with Cameron Brooks, I was able to fall into a second career that honed it off of and built off of my experiences. So all that training did not just come to a halt. It went off into my next career, not only the military, the leadership aspects of it, but aligning me with a company that pulled on my supply chain experience. I was the I was a commander of, a, of an aviation maintenance troop. I had been an S-4 supply officer in my battalion back in Fort Bragg. So I had a a deep understanding of of military supply chains and being able to pull that into the, the civilian world of sourcing supply chain activities, which turned into my next career, um, not all with free markets, uh, the company I, I, I first went into through Cameron Brooks, but every job I had after that was within the discipline of sourcing and supply chain activities. So it was a, it was, I would like to say a seamless transition, but there was a lot of work, a lot of effort on everyone's part, but everything I did in the past was not put to waste. It was definitely an excellent background, an excellent groundwork, and an excellent current knowledge base that I needed to move into my new jobs. Um, Kevin, what value did you find in partnering with Cameron Brooks to make your transition? Because even back in 2000, well, we may not have had LinkedIn. Certainly, that was a really big, booming economy back in 2000, very different than what we're experiencing right now, the summer of 2020, 2020. You probably could have like done your own search. You could have gone to use a uh, another headhunter. What was it about Cameron Brooks that you drew you to this partnership? It was definitely there. Were, there were definitely some some key points. Uh, the first was the first was the 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 natural integration of of where I was and where I needed to go, and and. Not having not having something that was in front of me to help me do that transition, being a being a a, a captain stationed in Camp Eagle, Korea, in command of 130 troops, I really had very little access, very little uh, very little connection with the corporate world. Um, back in the United States. So having someone who could lay that groundwork, have that have that network, have that backbone set up for me to present myself in front of in a few months. And then as I transition back to the States, be able to greet me, groom me and help me and help kind of help me shake off some of the 
some of my flight suit mentality and put on my my suit and tie mentality and keeping keeping the attribute the, the assets and attributes that I had but at the same time losing some of those I don't want to call them military stigmas but there there some of that some of those things that you, you need to present yourself differently when you when you go in front of corporate America. So kind of helping me with that entire transition. And Cameron Brooks was just such a such a natural um, asset in terms of doing that. Your incredible willingness to work with you know of of all the of all the hundreds of candidates, thousands of candidates that you you have reaching out to you, alumni, new candidates, existing candidates, and then all the all the corporate uh, bodies that that you are, are trying to recruit, work with, have participate in some of these conferences. Of all those efforts going on, to spend on my time, on my schedule, to spend a significant time, amount of time with me, a single person, halfway around the world in Korea, uh, in terms in terms of grooming me for those next steps, was something that I don't know where I could find. And the interesting resource. thing is, yeah, and the interesting thing is, you got out at the height of the tech, at the tech boom, right before it kind of bottomed out there, and you kind of went into you went into a tech related company. I tell the listeners what, free, yeah, tell listeners what free markets did back then. I did. I went into a tech-related company, and I went into right just about the point that the that the old dot-com bubble burst. But Free Markets was a an internet sourcing company. They they focused on helping our clients source their materials and services, and and buying better products at better pricing with better terms and conditions. A lot of the model was built around the reverse auction, uh, reverse auction platform idea, where instead of you have a supplier and you have a bunch of buyers trying to compete for their time and resources, you have a buyer who has all of their requirements spec'd out. And then you have suppliers come back to you and offer their proposals where they're competing on a better offering, um, a better um, proposed solution, timeline, things like that, and also cheaper pricing for for the quality that they are expected out to, to provide. So it was a, it was an interesting it was an interesting concept, and it is still a successful business model today. So it was exciting to be on on that on that ground floor on that that initial stage of of such a great business model can if we, if we can kevin can we go uh, go back to the uh the never stop never quit um nonprofit uh because i think that's what a lot of the listeners are at least if i represent the listeners here we're really interested in tell us about um Kind of that that organization. Are you? I know you're in Portland. It looks like or in Oregon, currently, um, but you have some national reach with this as well. Um, in what ways are you? Is never stop, never quit. 
making an impact with MS? I sure. Uh, well, you're you're correct. We are we are a a private foundation um, based in Oregon. Uh, I am located in Portland, Oregon, and never stop, never quit. It really is a national outreach, and the the concept behind the foundation really starts back with its name of Never Stop, Never Quit. The the name came from, and uh, I was. I was excited to receive his approval to use his story years ago when I was a cadet at West Point uh, in my my first year, uh, my senior year in the spring of 1993. I was going out for a run uh, on an early Saturday morning, and there are always tour groups going through West Point, especially in the spring and and at the peak of all the leaves starting to bloom and everything. But this tour group was unusual because it was being led not by one of the uh, associates and graduates members or some some tour guide. It was being led by Brigadier General Robert Foley, who was the Commandant of Kinesis at the time and was one of three people still on active duty at the time who have been awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions in Vietnam. And he was telling stories, talking about graduates of West Point in the past. And he was pointing out all the statues and all the the markers and memorials across uh, across the plain. And as I listened to his story, I heard him over and over again talking about the challenges that graduates faced in combat, about how faced and with with unrelenting enemy forces and diminishing supplies, uh, unyielding obstacles, how the graduates would never stop, how no matter how overwhelming the forces continued to be, continued to become reinforced, continued to push against them, they would never quit. And during that time, sometimes their efforts resulted in victory in that battle. Sometimes their efforts resulted in defeat. Sometimes they were killed. But the the war was always, or the, the, the mentality of their efforts was always a victory because their accomplishments were instilled in generations afterwards how you never stop, you never quit, not from just a keep on charging against the enemy standpoint, but from reinforcing your positions, from attacking when you're able to, defending when you must, taking care of your soldiers, taking care of your supply chains, taking care of all the the needs, and always focusing on your mission, uh, which was the safety and welfare and the the success of your soldiers and the accomplishment of your mission. And no matter what was placed against them, they would never stop and they would never quit. Years later, I was doing fundraising for the National MS Society and started to use that little, that simple tagline. It will never stop, nor will we. It will never quit, nor will we. 
And one day I wanted to write that story, so I reached out to General Foley with a copy of the story and asked for his permission to share his words. And then when he gave me the permission and sent me this beautiful letter telling me that the the work I am doing and my efforts in this fight against multiple sclerosis goes above and beyond the call of duty. And for him to use that, that phrase, uh, which is, is uh, you know, everyone knows is, is part of a, a Medal of Honor citation, for him to use that phrase in a personal letter, personal handwritten letter to me was just absolutely flooring. So I started that, that mantra and, and using that mantra. And then when I was rolling out onto my disability retirement for the second time, decided to use my efforts and, and use my resources and my time, which now I had a lots of lots of free time all of a sudden in in that philanthropic effort of the private foundation and never stop never quit was just a was just a natural progression for uh, and definitely had to be the uh, the name of the organization and it has been it has been a successful venture. It's it's great to do things under under that that mantra under that name, and it's something that I'm uh, I'm very grateful to have have been given the opportunity to to borrow his words and then to turn them into something profound. Tell us a little bit more about the the disease and how like widespread and in the impact that this makes. Um, I mean, obviously we're hearing your story um, and others, people that are famous that have, that we may know of. Um, uh, we're hearing about you, uh, but tell us more about how many people this impacts and kind of the, the life that people that have been diagnosed with this, what kind of life they now have to lead just to help us listeners who maybe not as familiar with, we might know what it is or hear the name, but really know what this is and how and why this is, why it's important that we know about it and we fight this right along with you, Kevin. Absolutely. Um, multiple sclerosis is, well, to, to go to go back and, and, and not, not to, to bore you with the details of it, but it is a disease of the nervous system and then what it does is it affects the nervous system in very, very random ways. In the fact that if you think of the nervous system, the nerves in your body as a, the coaxial cable that your, your, your TV goes into, and the cable itself is a small, thin wire in there. Surrounding that cable is a heavy plastic coating with a couple of layers of insulation. That's exactly what what a nerve looks like in in the body. Now, multiple sclerosis is a disease where the body itself will attack your nervous system, and that that plastic coating, that insulation, which is called myelin, it will attack the myelin, which in and of itself doesn't do anything to your body. However, once it attacks the myelin deep enough, and it hits one of those nerves. It can either cause scarring on the nerve, which can cause a short in your signal, just like your cable television, or it can sever that nerve completely, which would 
cut service, uh, interrupt service for that specific nerve. Now, how it affects your body depends on which nerve in your body is impacted by MS. There are generally uh, more nerves that are more commonly impacted by the disease in terms of legs and arms and, and speech. You probably notice a little bit of slurring in my speech. That's that's common for a lot of patients. Walking is difficult for a lot of patients. Um, physical dexterity, vision issues, uh, bladder issues, all sorts of all sorts of issues with your extremities uh, can become prevalent. But then again, there are more more devastating issues in terms of uh, partial or total paralysis. Uh, generally, the disease will not kill you. But secondary effects of the disease will lead to lead to death in terms of infections or or issues caused by your your lack of control of your own body. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of issues in terms of mental impairments. Um, and beyond the physical impairment, emotional uh, emotional impairment, emotional effects and issues. So the the diagnosis can can result in a broad range of symptoms, and those symptoms can have a broad range of outcomes. So it's it's kind of difficult to manage. It's kind of difficult to really pinpoint what one person with MS is going to be like because there's so much variety. Right now, there are about, I believe the last numbers were about 400,000 people in the U.S. with multiple sclerosis, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.4 million worldwide. I may be off on those numbers because I know they did a reassessment and the actual evaluation numbers went up significantly. But one of the biggest groups in the United States with multiple sclerosis is veterans. Uh, and through the Department of Veterans Affairs, there's a significant number of um, patients with multiple sclerosis. Now, general, generally, the number of patients with MS in, in the military community is higher than the civilian community. They don't know if that reason has anything to do with any military service. Probably not, but probably the reason is because the VA network is so much more consolidated than any other health network in the United States, and they have better tracking, better numbers, and better reporting of patients with MS, so they're able to they were able to identify the individuals and, and keep them in the system a little bit longer. And Kevin, um, tell, be, I want to get into your books too, but since we're on the MS piece, how for the listeners here, it's a great opportunity for us to get educated and you just did a great job there telling us about the disease and the debilitation of the disease and the effects and then how how many people in the U.S. it affects and worldwide, and also that this is a vet, that it's, you know, it doesn't spare veterans. 
Um, uh, certainly no disease is spared by veterans. So veterans are obviously um, impacted by this. Um, your mission, your life right now, your purpose is to create awareness and to, as you said, never, uh, never stop, never quit. How, how can we support you? Where can we go to make a donation? What are different ways that we can support you and support research and for the cure of MS? Well, that's a, that's a great question, and I appreciate that. I appreciate opening up the same way for me there, Joel. Probably the easiest recommendation I would say is you can go to my foundation's website, never stop, never quit. Uh, .com or .org. Uh, it's easy to remember. And never stop, never quit. The four words just put together. And on that website, I have a bunch of links. And there's links. There's, there's a bunch of information about the story. There are links to the National MS Society for donations. We don't. I don't want to add another difficult layer, so we don't have a donation site coming to our foundation. We we do all donations directly to the MS Society because it's it's the ultimate objective. Where any any money that we raise, any money that comes into the foundation, goes to them 100%. We don't add any costs. We don't take any any money out for us for the foundation for the operations. All that is paid um, paid personally by myself. Um, and the donations can go direct to them. So there's links to donate to the society. There's also links in terms of you talking about the books, where you can uh, find more information about that. And then there's more general information about multiple sclerosis and, and my story uh, in terms of my blog and other things. So that's one of the easiest places to start. And then, of course, the National MS Society has their, their web page and they have a bounty of information uh, on MS, the history, the treatment, current medications, some of the objectives of their of their efforts, as well as local chapters. Every state has a chapter, and most states have multiple chapters. So if one of your listeners wants to know more about MS at the local level, they can find their local chapter of the National MS Society, and they can either coordinate with them. They can they can work with them. They can get resources and information from them. They can donate directly to them. They have links to all their web pages. And if anyone ever wants more information beyond that, on my web page, there is the contact information where they can always reach out to me in terms of any questions, any assistance needed anything that they would like to know more about, anything they would like to see, and I'd be happy to, uh, I'd be happy to oblige, happy to reach out to uh, any requests. I look forward to it. Well, I just, as, you know, browsing the website, there's just a lot of great information here, and I think that uh, the listeners are going to be really intrigued by getting onto your blog and reading about your story um, a couple of questions as we wrap up here. I think I feel like I could talk to you all day long, uh, Kevin, um, just to, to get into your story. It's amazing. And um, we, all of us at Cameron Brooks, I think all the people that are listening to this uh, want to, to, to join in, the, probably hop through what they're listening right now and get in this with you and 
support you and walk with you along the way. It's inspiring. Um, but let's go to something a little bit lighter for just a moment. Tell <laughs> me about your books. Tell me about your books that you've written. My books. It, it started out in, 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 as with everything in my life, in, in kind of the most unusual fashion. I do a significant amount of fundraising for the MS Society. As I mentioned, I've been fundraising for them since 2003. Um, and of course, when you're fundraising year over year, you're reaching out to your donors. You're always trying to reach out to new donors and new supporters and trying to find new and exciting ways to to engage uh, engage their interest and, and pique their curiosity. So back in 2016, I was writing a bunch of blogs, and it was it was all under the all under the concept of whatever it takes. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna write I'm gonna write about whatever I need to write to capture your interest. And and one one day I was writing blogs about you know personal stories, and and one day was nothing but haikus, and one day was one day I wrote this kind of sing-song Dr. Susie's story about myself and my daughter, Eleanor, and one of the examples of, of the life that we live with my multiple sclerosis. And I was convinced to take that story down and kind of clean it up a little bit and turn it into a children's picture book that worked with a wonderful graphic design artist and published my first book, a children's picture book uh, called My MSNE. Never had any intention to write a book, nor a children's book, nor ever write another book again after that. But I guess the changes came about a year later when I started down the, the, the route of long-term disability and medical retirement. And writing, which have become an increased passion with me uh, through my blogs and fundraising blogs and just general communication uh, about about my battles with MS, which turned into just telling stories. And I said I had a, a few different stories together that I'd written that really had nothing to do with MS, as well as some that did. And when I first went out on disability, I spent a lot of time working on those stories. And when I finished, there were five short stories and, and a separate blog series that I had, and I, I consolidated them into a compilation and released my second book or my first actual book, uh, The Ramblings of a Condemned Man. And which indeed they were. They were the stories were kind of all over the board, a shotgun blast of different emotions and different different high points that would that would touch upon. When I was writing those, I, I kind of enjoyed the whole fiction aspect of, of storytelling. I took one of those stories in that book, which was a, a novella. Uh, a short novel, and released that separately, and then released a couple of other shorter books 
all the while my writing continued and then back in 2000 I believe it was early 2019 I released Moments which is my my first novel it's a you know a full-blown you know the big 540 page novel has nothing to do with MS um, but it's um it's in, in my my humble opinion, just a great story, and you know my way of my way of continuing my interest in in wanting to tell stories, and this way I get to keep on doing that, and and then work on everything else. Now, one of the nice things about the fact that I have my foundation through my foundation, I can publish all my books, so all the money that comes in for the royalties from the book. Go directly to the foundation, and it's uh, it's kind of a win-win situation for everyone. So it's it's been, it's been it's been fun. It's been fun to use the whole book publishing process as something that, if I ever wanted to get into a, another another career, I could uh, I could always become a, a publisher now since I've kind of figured out all the all the ins and outs of. Uh, working with editors and actually you know, doing book designs and cover designs and book publishing and all the printing and all that all that manuscript uh, development. So I've, I've published those five books, and then it's it's my I guess you could say my philanthropic playground that I get to do with with my foundation and that I have my sixth book I've actually published but is not released for sale I published the book and it's one of those books that that I that I personally give out to my donors and my supporters as a thank you for for what they've done um and one other thing I'll do is you know or you can find it on my website there's if you go to the uh, the link about the books on sale because of this whole pandemic that we've uh, found ourselves in, kind of made that realization that me posting my books and selling my books just so I can donate all the money in support of efforts is nice, but there's a lot of people, you know, instead of, instead of selling it and then donating the money, just giving the books away. So what I've set up is, I have a link on my foundations page where I'm giving away all uh, ebook copies of all my published works uh, to people as just just because they need other things to think about during this during this pandemic and during the trials that they're uh, they're doing with right now than worrying about having to buy a book so. I can donate the money. Well, want to just want to just cut the chase and donate the books right away in the first place. Um, Kevin, just I think there's just a lot of the, I just you know as I was you were talking, I was able to browse through some of your books and um, the children's book, especially obviously is a written about you and it looks like um, coming from you and raising your children or daughter in this. Um, and and what it, yeah, what it's like to for a daughter to have a, a dad who is, um, you know, you know, battling 
and um, and uh, you know is battling every day against a, a disease that, as you said, is trying to kill you. Um, and so I look forward to to reading that, and I really thank you for being really vulnerable and sharing all this with with us and the listeners today. My hope for you is that this podcast will create awareness uh, for all of us, certainly has for me and helps drive some uh, support, whether that be in buying the books, donations uh, for, for people that are battling MS. Um, I wouldn't, I want to leave with, I want to hear one thing from you as we leave. I, I think it, you, you've already given us a lot of advice and it's been inspirational, but if you could share one piece of advice for listeners, and uh, that you would obviously where everybody's going to walk away with this never stop, never quit resounding in their head. But if there's anything else that you'd want to share with the listeners, either from the standpoint of career, life, certainly I think people are probably looking to something about life uh, that, that has helped you, especially um, you during continuing to fight and succeed in all the things that you've done um, despite, uh, despite MS. Well, sure. The, the probably the best advice I can give, and uh, maybe this would be most applicable for new candidates uh, coming into joining Cameron Brooks, coming out of the military, but also for, but also for people in general, is that as 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 you come into this this new world, this new life, uh, all of your goals, all of your all of your your expectations that you have, there's a very good chance, if not an absolute chance, that they're going to change, either because you will grow, you will develop, or circumstances beyond your control will change your goals, will change your destination, will change your expectations. One of the biggest warnings that I've taken out of my career in the military that was reinforced by you and your team, by all of Cameron Brooks when I was getting out and that I continued to reevaluate and remind myself throughout my, my professional careers has been the circumstances of your current conditions will change, but that that base resource that we have in, in ourselves, which is that that resource of our military training, our core competencies, our our priorities as as leaders, our priorities as family members, as as parents is something that will drive us through every change and will definitely continue to to build and to reinforce and I think always going back to those those core assets and core attributes that first got us into the military that 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 got us selected for every promotional opportunity that every every advanced educational training, advanced military training, those competencies that were the basis of our improvements in the military and in the corporate world need to remain 
with you as reminders that even though those circumstances and those details are going to change in the future, it's what got those details that is something that we need to hold on to and reinforce. And I haven't lost. I've hopefully sharpened and hopefully reinforced some of those baseline skills that I was taught and I brought into my military career and that were uh, that were that were honed in my military career, but I've never forgotten them, and hopefully never will. Obviously, you haven't, Kevin, <laughs> and obviously you haven't been Kevin at all. You are a you are a uh, shining example, and I mean this with all sincerity. Um, with listening to your story for the last forty five minutes of circumstances will change, but the core of what you've learned and who you are doesn't change and that's helped you not only just navigate this but like be a leader i think that's what you're saying is like west point taught you to be a leader yeah and you probably were a leader already but in the army taught you to be a leader cameron brooks probably just worked with you to put a little polish on that and that leadership is what you're continuing to do today with never stop never quit with your family as well and so a heartfelt thank you to everything that you're doing certainly um where we think of you here, uh, now that we know your story, our prayers for you and your family. And um, I hope it's not another 20 years before we can talk again. Maybe we, it'd be great to talk again here in, in another six, eight months, have you as another guest on the podcast. I have a feeling this is going to be one of our one of our, our top podcasts for sure, Kevin. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, Joe, I really do appreciate the opportunity and, uh, and I look forward to a uh... I look forward to hearing him from you, and uh, and I will, I will reach out. I will reach out to the first availability as well. All right, Kevin. Look forward to reading, getting into your books, and diving into your blog. You've got a follower here, and I'm sure a lot of other people will be following you now as well. Um, please let us know how we can help, and and uh, stay in touch. I will, Joe. Thank you very much. Thank you again for everybody for listening to the Cameron Brooks podcast, especially the special one with Kevin Byrne. Again, I encourage you, if you can, to make a donation or maybe purchase one of his books where all the proceeds go towards MS. This podcast was probably one of my most meaningful ones that I've done in the several years that we've been doing it. Our, we, all of us here at Cameron Brooks certainly wish Kevin and his family the best, and we look forward to staying in touch with him.